The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast Season 4, Episode 38. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we don't have Jonathan Kuhlein today. You know what that means, Jaime? What's that, Tim? It means that we, we can get a word in edgewise. We just make up all sorts of stuff. Just fill up the fact check. <laughs> intentionally say things wrong. <laughs> well, there's been the wrong thing. There's a whole Encyclopedia yeah. Britannica of fact check to go through. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so we'll start off with the fact check. And um, so we were talking last week on last week's episode about Shenzhen Convention. And uh, according to um, Memory Alpha, Shenzhen Con- Convention was an international agreement between the Earth and in the 21st century and the regulated conduct of human genetic research. So in 2024, Dr. Adam Sung was found to have violated the Shenzhen Convention by connect, conducting illegal genetic experiments on ex-soldiers and with spearhead operations, a private military organization. As a result, he lost his license and funding and was banned from further research in, in the field. Now, that is actually the entry about the Shenzhen Convention, and it's also from last week's episode. So I think they just made it up for the show, but now it's canon, right? Okay, that's that's something I was wondering about the last time. I was like, man, it sounds like a realistic thing and when they say oh 21st century i'm like but that's the century we're in that's not helpful as to whether it's yeah, yeah, yeah. real or fake yeah well you guys were you guys were wondering whether it was like actual genetic research that they were banning right i don't know if anybody's actually sort of said don't make humans right have they you know it's been a while it's been a minute right because when um dolly the the sheep sheep cloned, yeah. uh what in the late 90s early 2000s um yeah a long time ago there's discussions then and there's been some discussions around uh, using CRISPR, I think, to genetically modify babies, but I don't know that, like, it feels more taboo than it does strictly illegal. Like, I'm not, and I could be wrong. I, I'm not sure that uh-huh. it's actually illegal somewhere. Could very well be, but it just, like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't strike me like I could name a Shenzhen convention or something that, uh, like a Geneva convention or Treaty of Versailles or some other big international mm-hmm. thing that makes it very clearly verboten. Yep. Well, there you go. Now it's a now it's a legit thing, I guess. Well, as far as Star Trek fans are concerned, um, so a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. Is the expression that um, I, I'm going to say, Doctor Adam Sung, or some Sung says in the in the in the episode that's uh, we where they in the pre preamble last week's preamble they showed mm. uh, Brent Spiner's voice saying that right. 
Wait, we gotta. I, I keep thinking you know, only good human is a dead human. I can never get that one out of my head. Um, and fly me to the moon, the song which that was was the title of last week's episode, and the um, the song that uh, was made famous by Frank Sinatra, and also was played in last week's episode when they went into the big party. The uh, what was it? The gala, right? Uh, was written by Bart Howard. And it was originally called, um, in other words, the song. But I guess because Fly Me to the Moon made a, made a better sounding, sounding title. That's why we went there. So now, so let's move into the headlines. And we've got here Picard 3, Season 3, it will be TNG Reunion. Is this your article or Jonathan's article? Uh, my article. doesn't have a name on it. Okay, I, I think I think I posted I posted this one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because there's been a lot of speculation about Michael Dorn uh, joining and John, well, Jonathan Frakes, as we know, has already been on the show. Lavar Burton, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, and Brent Spiner. Well, Brent Spiner's also already in the show. Um, they're sort of they've been used as voiceovers in in some of the, the teasers for this this season's episode. But apparently, uh, it's been sort of revealed that uh, the third season will be the one where the uh, Rest of the crew will show up and help out uh, Doctor Admiral, whatever his name is, Clone Twenty Seven Picard. So, yeah, Doctor X. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that they. I mean, it's kind of weird to have a, a teaser that's essentially spoilers. Nothing too terrible happens to um, to the main guy, right? Um, unless <laughs> unless he's going to get like another <laughs> golem body, <laughs> it just becomes like a recurring joke at the end of every season. Becomes like a well. He's going to be like Doctor Who. He's going to get him to morph into some car- some actor from the next generation, right? And then he'll he'll just uh, he'll carry on the show. It'll be season twelve. It'll be like you know, Wes. It'll be um, Will Wheaton as you know Wesley Crusher, Crusher Picard slash whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's an important question: Have you seen the Batman yet? I've not seen the Batman. No. All right. So should I should I talk about this next thing because it's kind of spoiler? I mean, I've already looked at the. <laughs> I guess we should give a spoiler warning for folks who are listening. Um, but I've oh, okay. already seen the link. Okay. Yeah. So, so in the movie uh, near the end, there's a, uh, a, a when I think we we I don't know if we talked about this. No, we didn't talk about this on the show. But at the end of the 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 film, um, the protagonist and or antagonist, sorry, ends up in jail, and there's a voice that starts talking to him from another cell and, and giggling away and, and clearly it's meant to be the Joker and you, we don't really see who it is and a lot of makeup on like to obscure the face but apparently it's uh, Barry Coogan um, who plays the uh, the Joker in the film so I assume if, there's gonna, if they're going to come back and have another Robert Patterson movie then um, we will see this man as the Joker some point in the future that's kind of cool i don't remember what he what else he was in doesn't really say um is he not from um i'm just looking at oh, his face yeah he's from, uh, in eternals? Marvel's eternal oh, he's the guy from the eternals yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the grumpy dude right <laughs> yeah yeah that, that was his power being grumpy yeah he was the sort of he was the one that was sort of the, on the outs with the rest of them right yeah yeah he wanted he wanted to smash he wanted to hulk smash everybody if i remember correctly yep so that's that. Um, uh, this best Batman thing, I'm going to save that for future. I mean, we're still collecting uh, collecting votes from people. I put a poll up about that. So yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about that. So we we're, I have a I was listening to a, uh, an interview on Q uh, Radio here in CBC Radio in mm-hmm. Toronto, and they were interviewing a comic book writer about the Batman, and 
They had asked him who he thought was the best Batman and who he thought was the best Bruce Wayne. And so without revealing his answers, I thought, because his answers were actually pretty interesting, I thought. Um, but I want to, so I'm going to, I've created a poll and put it up on for, for listeners to the show, and I'll have a link in the show notes here, uh, asking who, which, which portrayal of Batman do you think is the best Batman? And which portrayal do you think is the best Bruce Wayne? So in other words, it doesn't need to be the same actor right. per se, right? right? And then I also, for fun, I thought, well, why don't we just do who did the best Alfred as well? So, you know, oh, we've got, um, yeah, so, so I'll give you an example of who, who the, who the candidates are and in no particular order, just the order that I remembered them. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And Robert Pattinson, um, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Kevin Conroy, Adam West, Ben Affleck, or Will Arnett? Because uh, I, mm. I, I assume Kevin yeah. Conroy is the only animated Batman that, that we know of, right? I'm sure Jonathan can correct me. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, they're throwing things. At- there might be different folks, and it gets real sort of interesting if you start thinking about like video games and stuff. Because this did go into yeah. 2D animation and let's 3D animation with let's the Lego not, Batman. Let's not be that deep. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, it becomes one of those weird collections that you see on YouTube of like, here's every Joker. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's so many people that have done that. Yeah, there's only one Joker. It's Mark Hamill. Um, and then, uh, who played the Batman, uh, who plays the best Batman again, Robert Patterson, the same, same, same crew, basically. And I thought putting Will Arnett was in there was interesting too, because then we get the Lego Batman gets a, gets a vote. Right. And then for the Alfreds, we have Andy Serkis, um, Michael Caine, Michael Goo, who was Michael Goo played, uh, or go, I guess Michael go played, um, uh, Alfred in I think three incarnations of, of the Batman. I think he was Keaton's Alfred. He was uh, Kilmer and Clooney's Alfred as well. Right. Mm, Alan, yes. Alan Nerrier was uh, the original Alfred on, um, on the 66 cart uh, um, television adaptation. Sean Pertwee uh, played Alfred in the um, Gotham series that was on a few years ago where, um, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne is a young man, young boy. Mm-hmm. Or teenager, and uh, by the way, he. This is Sean Pertwee. I don't know if, what you know about Doctor Who. Um, I mean, but I think the second or third Doctor was John Pertwee, right? Uh, no, I think it's Tom Baker then John Pertwee. I, I always get them mixed up. Don't yell at me, people on the phone. But uh, that is his father. So he's he's uh, descended from Doctor Who. And the other Alfred we had was Jeremy Irons. Um, I think he was most recently right before. Um, Douglas Hodd, who also played... Douglas Hodd? Did he play Alfred? I can't remember. Ralph Fiennes, or Ray Fiennes, um, and Jack Bannon. I think Jack Bannon plays him in the in the animated series. But or no, I think Ralph Fiennes, Ray Fiennes, plays him in the animated series. Anyway, Jonathan fact-checked that, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so far we don't have a lot of responses. We're just hoping to get some more, and then we'll have some fun checking that one out. Do the definitive Batman you know, Bruce Wayne, et cetera, et cetera, are. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. like a, a good one. Yeah, and then we've also got, if you guess you, take a, you had a chance to watch the new trailer from uh, Strange New Worlds, is, that, is out? I did, and uh, I didn't throw links in here, but they had been leading up to this for like a week with a whole bunch of little Twitter shorts introducing each individual cast member, which I thought was kind of interesting. I was going to say, there's one character who, has, who who's blind, but still is amazingly, you know, sentient or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of introducing who the new crew are, basically, right? Yeah. 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 Get, getting getting everybody in line there. So it, it looks like a cool 
cool trailer. Seems like a, yeah. a, a good sort of episodic kind of show. Maybe there'll be a story arc for the season. Um, certainly seem to touch a little bit on, on Destiny stuff. And we, we kind of know that Pike has weird plot armor where maybe he... Yeah. <laughs> if you remember um, Deadpool 2 with Domino and... Deadpool saying, what are you talking about? Luck is not a power. And then Domino proceeds to just luck her way through all these crazy things happening in her favor. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, the even show. I was just watching it without the sound on. I didn't realize that they have the, the Vulcan uh, Pond Far ceremony as well. Tim, I know you're usually into the costume design. So they've they've modified the, the outfits, the uniforms, again, even from the, the revision that showed up in Discovery. What? your thoughts on on the new one sort of independently and compared to the iteration we saw on discovery well it seems, it seems fine i haven't really i haven't really looked at it that closely but uh i guess it's just gonna make for the look have seem to have shoulder pads which is a very sort of 90s you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that i mean at least the lapels you know and the the, the hems are are normal mind you i haven't seen a single shot yet of the horn of the, the lower part of the body let's see what we see nope just not much but it's interesting how that sort of Fancy, fo- fancy fabric kind of look to it. Yeah, looks pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever seen the original series uh, costumes up close or? Yeah, they have pretty pretty rustic. Um, is it like the the science fiction museum here? Um, I, I forget they've re- re- renamed the thing it's attached to multiple times um, here in, in the Seattle area. So I've I've seen them, and so I mean, you you kind of look at the '60s TOS stuff, and they're like they're not pajamas, you know. It's 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 not correct to call them pajamas, but they're sort of basic cloth material and discoveries uh what second season said hey what if we made it a much more of almost like a like a biker outfit with a little bit more kind of a, a, a leather rubber sort of feel to it and then these ones that i see are an evolution of that that is less rubber and more cloth like it, it's kind of in between it's kind of hard for me to describe it it right. retains yeah. the shoulder pads a little bit more like the season two of discovery yep. but i can see how it's like oh after this five-year mission is done they go into the uh, the regular cloth material uniform right it, it feels like oh yeah you know my 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 uniform wore out i've got a new one it's a new design kind of it kind of makes sense like i see what they're doing like it's very recognizable especially with the colors um and the and the piping on the yeah the yeah. The, the wrists and stuff the cuffs yeah, what I was getting at was was the, the like I mean I, I'm okay with them updating them for like like I like the new look of of JJ Abrams stuff as well right like I don't have a problem mm-hmm. with them updating the Enterprise per se to make it look more you know in keeping with with what we have because I mean in the 60s it was very it was a very low budget right um, you know and it was yeah. it was made for for you know videotape television type stuff right it wasn't made like I, don't, I think it was filmed on film but I mean. It wasn't meant to. It wasn't meant to be in 4K, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, they they look like they're they're uh, wearing uh, you know dime store outfits if you if you saw them up close, right? Sort of thing. You know the outfits, or sorry, the uniforms that sort of hold up quite well in retrospect are the Enterprise ones. Um, yeah. You know, it, true. it was sort of like you know NASA plus plus sort of design, kind of intentionally more jumpsuitish, and it kind of fit in with the whole like. Um, idea and and sort of design scheme that the the NX01 Enterprise is not you know the flying hotel in space of the Enterprise D and it's not even the the big battle cruiser of 
Kirk's Enterprise or Pike's Enterprise. It is like a tiny little submarine and you're very uncomfortable and cramped. And it looks like even the stuff they wear is almost like a like a mechanics kind of outfit. And at the time, it was so different from seeing um, like Voyager or Deep Space Nine's uniform that I, I didn't really glom onto it. But with the hindsight of, you know, two decades almost, um, it, it really seems to fit. I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally holds up. Yeah, except for T'Pol's cat suit sort of outfit that she wore, which was clearly just for, for ratings, right? And, uh, and the <laughs> yeah. funny hat hair that she wore. <laughs> the decontamination scenes of, like, let's get all the uh, the hot young bods yeah. in there rubbing each other down with goo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tripping, tripping T'Pol, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been tough, tough work. A little um, bit of beefcake to go right. with that cheesecake, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, you got the next story here. I'll let you rip into it. Yeah, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live the most recent uh, weekend, past weekend, but you usually have Pete Davidson doing some sort of pre, um, pre-canned short, um, uh, like a, like little music video type ones. And that one that came out on, on Saturday was Netflix needs a short movie, a short ass movie category, right? Right. It's like, I can't be here. Yeah. It's like, oh man, like, this Spider-Man movie is like two and a half hours. Oh, this other movie, like three hours. Like, that's too much, man. Like, what happened to a movie that was under two hours? And so now the people at Netflix were clearly tickled by this idea. And there is literally a short-ass movies category on Netflix. It doesn't have really? that many. Wow. doesn't have that many in it, surprisingly. It doesn't scroll for very long. But you you can find things that are legitimately under, uh, under the... the I thought it was yeah, two hours. It's a minute movie category. Here, says, but it says a ninety-minute movie character character category. They're calling it right. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I I I think I got to to Saturday Live late, and I ended up just. I always watch the news, the weekend update. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think they started talking about American politics, and no offense, but I just kind of zoomed past that and. I don't think I knew who the host was. I stopped to listen to who the musician was, but yeah, and I did see the Pete Davidson thing. And I probably should have gone back and watched it, but yeah, because he usually got some pretty good stuff in there. But yeah, so I missed this whole story, but that's cool. Yeah, Tim, if you if you're like me and my significant other, and you've realized that you're getting out of touch with modern music, you watch SNL's um, musical guest pretty diligently so that. When the Grammys come, you can understand who's winning the you award. Know who, who it is <laughs> instead yeah, of being yeah. like, "Who the heck is this?" <laughs> Dang kids! Well, it's funny, you know, like like you say that because I was I was when the spatial audio stuff came out, I started checking that stuff out on on uh, the Apple Music app, which I don't use all that often, to be honest with you, even though I have a mm-hmm. subscription. But um, you know, I use it because I mean, I probably had like you know three hundred, four hundred CDs worth of stuff in my in my iTunes collection. That's all disappeared now that you know Apple's taking it over, but um i wouldn't have no i wouldn't have known who olivia rodrigo was if i hadn't seen her album cover and thought what the heck is this album because the album cover's got a really weird sort of you know she's i think she's got some grumpy look on her face and and you know weird weird ass stuff and so i kind of looked at her and i kind of went i wonder who that is and i'll have to go back and check that out right so yeah so it was funny when i did actually watch the grammys to see uh what was going on with that so it's interesting did you watch the grammys this year i dipped in and out i i I saw, uh, I think it was at the Grammys, was it LeVar Burton doing a little dig on the, the comedy bit that, uh, uh, referencing Will Smith striking comedians? 
Oh, really? Like, no, without I saying the name. Oh, but it was like, you know, keeping our hands and feet to ourselves when the comedian ward come up. Yeah, well, and then uh, Questlov got up there and said, I want everybody to stay 500 feet away from me when I give up, when I announce this, this name. And then, uh, and, but at the beginning, uh, what's his name? Trevor Noah, the, the host, right? You said LeVar Burton. Did you mean Trevor Noah? Uh, Trevor Noah was, was the host. Um, yeah, but yeah. I thought, I thought LeVar Burton, did, I don't know, I might be confusing with another, there's like a whole bunch of award, it's award show season. So um, maybe yeah. I was catching something else, but it was like when they have a presenter, not the host, but the presenter uh, talking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could have been him. Because in the beginning, when, when Trevor Noah was doing his sort of preamble of uh, introducing the show, he sort of said he was talking about all the people in the audience and stuff, or like, you know, famous people in the audience. And uh, he said, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do something else, and we're going to keep people's names out of our mouths. And <laughs> and he moved on from there, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely Trevor, Trevor Noah's bit, yeah. Yeah. The shot. The shot. All right. So what's your next story? This is one of those weird crossovers in the the mtjc verse where uh the the story itself is that paramount is going to be making more star trek nfts non-fungible tokens so the the nft part sort of crosses over into mtjc territory as being a very technical kind of thing but it is here in spotcast because it is star trek related nfts the idea that you will be able to vaguely own some um, machine-generated um, starship, uh, and I think as we talked about, not on this show, but on MTJC, in my personal opinion, it's kind of weird to have scarcity for something like a digital item that's infinitely reproducible. Instead, I like to think of the NFT as being like a a key, like your 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 car to your house to you know the locker in your locker room kind of thing, and instead the the media it's attached to being kind of like the cool keychain or the cool fuzzy dice that go along with it. So on the surface here, they're they're selling these these packs and they're they're pricey. It was like two hundred fifty bucks, two hundred fifty bucks yeah, to yeah. get some random yeah. thing. But it's not so much about owning that particular uh, starship as it is being able to gain access to other things. Like yeah, they say some sort of experiential hub that will house this first and all future seasons of the NFTs while you'll be able to involve collecting crewmates and doing vague, unspecified missions. So there's some sort of game thing going on here, right? Like, if you've ever seen um, Axie on, uh, on the interwebs, particularly because uh, the, uh, the Axie game, one of the, the blockchains that it's attached to, got, got hacked into, or, or at least some, some crossover chain sort of thing. Like, it very quickly becomes a mess to talk about. But there are things that you can do to earn uh earn crypto currency while playing the game and i think that's what kind of going on here so if you've got the money i mean 250 bucks is is pretty pricey but uh you know maybe you can do something with it yeah it is a weird concept the the whole nft thing like you know like i mean you know getting getting like a like you know a, a, a die cast model of an enterprise you know you know you could collect one and then you know if you hang on to yours and everybody else gets rid of theirs or lets their dog chew it or whatever you know mm-hmm. in, in 10 mm-hmm. years it could be worth more than the other guys right but the whole concept of of buying something like this like what can you do with it after you're done with it like you've got it you know it's digital so you know you have to hope that the computers can read the file in the next you know 20 years right if you're going to keep it that long so Think, it's a strange concept. I think it's harder for me to imagine what to do here with, you know, what is a Paramount 
property. But if I turn yeah. my attention to what if we just rebrand this with Star Wars and make it Disney, then I'm like, oh, I know exactly what they can do. Disney's got that whole Galaxy's Edge um, world in, in Disney World. And if they haven't already, they're coming out with that hotel cruise ship kind of experience that's really supposed to be immersive. So I could 100% see a this part of the experience is limited to, in this case, pass holders, right? You know, who has the pass? Well, it's this NFT. Cool. Then you're part of the, the resistance. Ah, see, you know, right? you're not just regular resistance grunt. You are part of resistance leadership, right? So you get to go through this cool thing. So I'm like, okay, I could see that. It, it's less clear with, with Star Trek, given that Paramount doesn't have the huge multimedia and real world empire that, that Disney has, where there's like, you know, physical merchandise and theme parks and other stuff that are all tied together. Maybe this will go there at some point. Maybe Tim, maybe you mentioned that a diecast. Maybe you will eventually be able to get a diecast model of uh, your particular pass, uh, even with uh, like a little QR code or something, so that people can scan. Like, oh, that's totally this one, right? You get a, a physical paperweight that you can carry around with you, and 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 yet it, it ties into you know other things beyond just having a a, a JPEG. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I, it, when you say it as a key, I think I did hear, um, did watch an interesting video explaining NFTs the other day and I, I probably have to scare it up and watch it again. But yeah, I think I got the impression that it is kind of like, like, like you said, it could be like an access key. It's, 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 I guess it's the equivalent of you and I can both have a California driver's license, but your driver's license and my driver's license are distinct in terms of the number and the identity, right? That they represent, mm-hmm. even though they, they look the same, you know? They're actually not the same thing, right? Yeah, they're they're not fungible. If I if I show up, at the, you know, at the American border with a, a Tim Mitra license, they're gonna have some interesting questions for me in the little room that they're gonna put me in, right? True. Well, we can talk about that a little bit later in the show too, because we have we have an example of that coming up very shortly. Right? Yeah, yeah, it, it it gets it gets real in the in the vague spoilers for the episode of Picard we're talking about today. Sure. Okay. Cool. Oh, and look, you've got a spoiler for uh, everybody's favorite Orphan Black show. Yeah, so Orphan Black has been gone for a little bit. It's been a couple of years, right? I forget exactly. Oh, many years, like four years or so. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's it's approaching many, I suppose. It, it, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but I guess it has. But um, the Orphan Black show is going to get a new series slated to premiere in 2023, um, put together by, by AMC. So. Uh, is it, is it correct here? The Orphan Black Echoes, a new series set in the near future of the original that follows the lives of a new group of women, which is going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with this. It uh, sounds like it will not include um, Tatiana Maslany, but she's still around, so maybe she could make uh, uh, you know a couple of cameos, so to speak, depending on where they take things. I'd, I'd be really shocked if they didn't have cameos. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, have you seen the new the new um, Matrix movie yet? Yes. Yeah. So you know how they how they basically worked in um, Agent Smith and um, Morbius with new actors, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of looked like the same person, and they kind of acted the same way. But you know, the only the only consistent thing in it was um, was uh, Trinity and Neo, right? Yeah. 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 Same sort of idea. I mean, like you know, uh, yeah. Does Tatiana Maslany come back as the older aunt now or something <laughs> you know i mean or maybe they, maybe they bring do... her in as a spoiler right or as a, as a sort of surprise you know character right 
I mean, it, it could even be a cute thing where they didn't, you know, want to tie it too closely to the story, but just give you a wink, wink, nudge, nudge that they're like, you know, the, whoever the main characters are, go to a coffee shop and there's this group of, you know, twin sisters <laughs> in the background sort of thing, right? And they pass by them sort of thing. It, it, you could do a whole bunch of stuff beyond uh, having to make them a, a major part of the show. You could just sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, yep, they exist. It, it kind of gives you an idea of where they're at sort of thing. Well, you know the Dyad Institute is portrayed by the by the Bridgepoint Health um, Hospital here in Toronto, and it's just down the street from my house, like like a five minute walk. You know, I used to pass by it every day on my way to to work on the streetcar. Very close to Dyad. I know where the where that guy was shot in the in the Orphan Black show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, we're at the main part of our show here today. Where uh, see how fast that went? It's amazing. Um, <laughs> We're at the main part of our show where we talk about something Star Trek shaped, and this time we're going to talk about uh, Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episode 6, 2 of 1, and um, yeah, and then we'll talk about uh, a little bit about uh, the Moon Knight afterwards. So, but over to Jaime for the recap. Oh, look how short your recap is. Holy cow. It's not that complicated of uh, of an episode when you sort of unwind it. It's told in almost like a memento sort of storyline of like here we are yeah flashes yeah. back yeah and media res and then we go 30 minutes back 24 minutes 21 18 15 like you, you start approaching real time right so it is a, a more it feels more complicated than it sort of really is but you you start out with the the last and a crew in media res huddled over a wounded picard like what the heck happened well it turns out 34 minutes earlier he was you know accidentally using his crush's name with someone else which is just as good because I keep thinking of this character as Laris. Is the same actress, but no, this is Talon, right? Um, right, yeah. And and th- there's there's definitely uh, uh, some some eyes there, uh, kind of seemingly yeah. both ways, which is kind of interesting. Let me take a, a little short segue here. Given what we know with season three, with McFadden coming back as Doctor Crusher, I am kind of curious if. You know, assuming Laris makes it through the end of this season, I kind of want to see her and Crusher sort of stare each other down a little bit, right? You got to figure yeah. there must be some history with Beverly Crusher not being in, in Picard's life at the Chateau. Well, she was married to him in, in, in the uh, All Things Come to an End, whatever it's called, the All Things Must Pass, or whatever. All Good Things. Show. She was all married and divorced. And, and he says, yeah. like, oh, you kept the name, right? Because she's Beverly Picard. She, she kept the name even after the oh, divorce. Oh, she, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's got to be, you know, there's got to be some drama there. Is what I'm thinking. Of. Yeah, for sure. And you've got. Yeah. So is she going to come back as the older woman? I wonder. Hmm. I do kind of want to see Kate's big fan and sort of, you know, look Laris up and down and be like, yeah, you would be his type. <laughs> Make some snide comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Scottish to Irish. There you go. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's a region of the world that he tends to like. Yep. 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 Um, we we learn that Jurati uh, was captured on purpose. It was kind of the whole idea was to get her into the the nerve center, the control center, where all these these wonderful computers are, so she could hack into it and uh, and change the the IDs and stuff to to match uh, the database, including the, the didn't, face. Didn't the Queen say that to her? Didn't the Queen say that to her at the end of last week's episode too? Though you know the fact she got. These blur together to me because usually I end up watching the ready room, which gives you yeah. the, the, you know, some random scene from the next episode. So I never really know 
did this occur in the previous episode or did I see this part of the scene from the ready room preview? Yeah. But you, you think it actually was in the previous episode that, that we knew she yeah, was I think intentionally right at the very end When she puts her arm around her, she says, you know, getting captured on purpose, what a good idea, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. I do remember seeing the queen pop up there. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's a reminder that she was captured on purpose, but in, uh, oh knows the queen, <laughs> the board queen is, uh, is, is causing some issues here for this plan, but does sort of point out like, you probably should have used the little knockout gas when the guy was a little closer to you. <laughs> not like yeah, halfway across right. the room. How are you going to get the keys now? But, you know, she does help her. She's like, look, use this technique. You'll be able to bust through these, uh, these, uh, these shackles. So, so hacks occur just in time because Rios had already been you know, scanned. They're like, you're not this old doctor dude from the South. And he's like, no, no, just, just scan it again. And then the intervening time. The security guards are apparently, like, totally okay with the idea of, like, yeah, I guess it was just a glitch, man. <laughs> Bad skin. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, basically this episode is structured as current time struggle to help an injured Picard. And we get flashbacks to, you know, several minutes ago, like I mentioned, the sort of memento-style thing. But also flashbacks or visions within those from young Picard's perspective. So continuing to get the weird, what the heck is going on in his brain sort of thing. So, um, again, more sort of you know, eyes romance between sort of Laris, which is actually Talon and Picard. You've got sort of the chaos of Jurati dealing with the inner voice because the queen is continuing to like cause a ruckus here in, in this party and, and, and really making Jurati look like a psychopath. <laughs> if you can't hear her voice, right? The inner voice in her head, just, just yeah. at this party talking to herself. Uh, Rios is like totally down with being in the past. Like, Apparently, whatever cigar thing he's using in the future is not a legit thing. He's like, oh, man, this is like a real cigar. And he's really jazzed about real food that isn't replicated. And, and real matches. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's dirtier, grittier sort of thing. Seven's kind of doing all right. I, I wrote a note here. I actually don't remember if Seven actually said a word at this episode. She was in scenes. I don't think she did. Oh, she might She might have, uh, yeah, the, in the voiceover panics when they're trying to get him into... You're right. You know, actually, even even when Rafi's upset at the very end, there, and she's, you know, they're they're trying to convince. Um, uh, what were they trying to convince Rafi of something? And she looks over at Rios, who's arguing with her, and then and then Seven just nods at her. I think it was when or, they're you know, they're, raise... they're going to go into Picard's brain, sort of thing. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and she's she doesn't like or Rafi doesn't like the idea, and, but it just she just look over at at her. Yeah, she didn't say a word. Right. They didn't want to pay seven for you know there there are different pay scales for speaking roles versus non-speaking and i don't know why that would apply here or um for jerry ryan but it was sort of notable to me that she shows up in a lot of scenes but i don't actually remember hearing her voice you know but seven's doing all right she's kind of adjusting mm-hmm. raffi however is seeing the ghost of elnor in a bunch of people's faces she's not she's sort of not not having it right um you know y- you gotta let everything sort of of go here where there's in this one scene kind of a lot going on, right? There's Picard sort of not letting go of his, his feelings for Laris. And he's got a woman right in front of him who looks exactly like Laris. You got, you know, Rafi not letting go to Elnor. I don't know what Rios's particular problem is, but it's a little weird that he's so jazzed up about, you know, this stuff being real. It feels like people are going to lead somewhere with that. Mm, true. Right. Cause it, it, he's like legit happy <laughs> in a weird way to, to be there, which is, um, you know, kind of kind of a weird thing 
Wow, I wrote these notes so light, I'm starting to forget what, what the let it go, let it go part was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might, Is that Frozen it, singing? Was he already... Oh, no, he's not because I'm looking at my notes. Um, the singing doesn't happen yet because you actually do end up having the, the face-off between Dr. Sung and, and Picard. Right? Where he's like, yeah, you hear Brent Spiner's voice saying, Picard, and then, like, which catches everybody by surprise, right? Yeah, and he comes in, he's like, hey, I know your buddy Q, and uh, I need you, to, I need you to, to stop this path, right? You need to stop what you're doing, because that's what he told me that he wanted you to do. Um, oh, I remember what the Let It Go thing was. That was Picard and Talon talking about the fact that Rene Picard, the, the astronaut, is having trouble with what's going on, right? She's not, she's not letting go of the stress, and she really needs like a therapist sort of thing. She's really like yeah. right on the cusp of, of leaving the mission. Or she's texting him and she's like, Laris is looking, Laris is, you know, um, pwned her phone so she can actually see what she's writing, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, she's there getting ordered by her commander, you know, in a nice way, you know, like I ordered yeah. you, come here, let's take this group photo, let's celebrate. But it's yeah. an awkward thing for her because she is having serious doubts about going through with the mission. Uh, coming back to yeah. Soong. Uh, apparently, he has been added to the board of, of uh, the Europa mission, and this immediately gets Picard in trouble because, man, the security perks are super good. Like, this dude just walks over to this lady. She's like, hey, I'm glad you're on the board. He's like, yeah, actually, so this guy over here is dangerous, <laughs> and they must have, yeah. like, a hand signal or something because the guards are super fast and like, we got to get Picard. Well, we've got earpieces, right? We've got earpieces. Did the lady have her own earpiece and be like you know we got a code seven you all need to beat up this old man over here like yeah i don't know she didn't go Is grab guard right? that, that, it, it was like yeah, very true, quick true. yeah so um you know there's there's some some drama there around like how is he gonna get out of this one uh oh autocorrect caused something weird here um they turn out the lights to cause a distraction so the the board queen does some sort of electronic uh pulse Right, to, to yeah, cause short, lights. Short wave, yeah, EMP, yeah. Yeah, which leads us into that weird time-honored trek trope of cast members singing. So Gerardi <laughs> goes into a, a, a singing sort of thing uh, to to cause a distraction. So this gives Picard enough of an out to, to sneak his way around, you know, James Bond style, sneak away from uh, from security. They're, they're, they're a little lost there. Mm-hmm. So beyond the the showing off the the singing chop sort of thing and the distraction, this apparently was part of the queen's whole agenda. She's like, "Oh, good." So I forget what she says, but it was effectively like, "Your anxiety was holding me back from from fully taking over." But now that you've got all this um, endorphins or adrenaline or something, you know, some some body uh, chemistry thing going on. She's like, yeah, endorphins, yeah, yeah." She's like, yeah. "Now I can take over." Thanks, and she does. <laughs> Right, and you see the, the the weird eyes black out, the like a shark kind of thing. So that's not good. Um, Picard does make his way over to have a, a, a nice talk to talk with his ancestor, right? With with Rene Picard, sort of pretends to be a, a a guard, and she even kind of points out, like, "Look, I I feel so bad saying this. Aren't you like a little old to be a security guard?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, but I'm like the wisest one amongst them all, you know." He's, he plays into it and gives her what feels like like predestiny kind of words of like look to the stars, you know, consider these these sorts of things, and it feels like stuff that will stick through his family that ultimately his mother will tell him. Right? Look to the stars. It's almost like a right. family motto. Yeah. 
And yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and seemingly, you know, he's convinced her to, to, you know, to, to go on with the mission, but Soong is, he's like committed here. He, he comes in in his like hot sports car and tries to, to run them over. Uh, Picard pushes Renee out of the way, uh, but he does get hit. So now we, we know, you know, how he ended up getting injured. We've caught up to real time. You know, the crew doesn't really have, you know, the, the, the fancy pants medical bay to, uh, to deal with him. So they're like, what are we going to do? And Rios is like, oh, well, I know a doctor here, which I wrote in my notes as Dr. Nasty of the Pasty. I'm still convinced that Rios right, yeah, yeah, I'm still convinced yeah. Rios is going to pull like a Futurama here. Um, so they call up uh, uh, Teresa. I forget what the doctor's last name is. So, like, go back to the, the 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 clinic that was, you know, from the ice raid and, and try to help them out. We switch a bit over to uh, to see Sung having, you know, this, this conversation with his daughter, essentially kind of confessing, like, what have I become, right? Like, what have I done here in, in my attempts to, to try to achieve my, my sort of life's goal of from what Corey the, thinks. She thinks, oh, to keep me alive. And she ends up discovering on his computer um, all of these video files and pictures of, like, what could be a young herb. She's like, I don't remember any of this stuff. What the hell is this? And eventually she makes it through, like, the, the diary stuff. From Doctor Sung, where it's like, oh man, it is really clear he has been cloning and watching a whole bunch of these kids die as he's been trying to save them from whatever weird, uh, like genetic disease they're getting from the the genetic modification. And for some reason, she's the last one. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't say why. I don't know if it's because he was like feeling bad about it, giving up of like this is beyond my abilities. It's it's a little unclear from his statements as to why he thinks this is the last, right? Uh, so she, she's totally freaked out. We go back over to, to Picard and the clinic, and he's sort of physically okay, but he's in a coma, but with weirdly a whole bunch of high brain activity, like like he's just, you know, mentally trapped in there. And that's where you get Talon saying like, oh, um, I can do like a, like a Vulcan mind meld kind of thing, just kind of, you know, MacGyver cobble this together. This is where you had said that Rafi was like, yo, we can't be doing this. And Rios is like, bro, this is all we got. If we don't, if we don't get this dude taken care of, if we can't save the future, right? We we gotta we gotta take the risk. And you you do end up with uh, a nice, interesting uh, red queen sort of look to Gerardi, uh, the yeah. Borg queen yeah. Gerardi uh, in the beautiful red dress, walking down the uh, the street, totally free, totally in control. Yeah, this episode did remind me of something else. I was trying to remember what it was, but uh, yeah, the whole sort of. Um... Well, it's very similar to the to the episode I'm going to talk about in a minute, the Moon Knight, because you know it's the one. It both in both episodes, you know, you have one character who has to surrender control of the body to the other character, because that's what the Queen's been asking all through the show: is let me take over, let me take over. You know, like even getting her out of the handcuffs in the very beginning, and then you know eventually mm-hmm. she does manage to get um, Girardi to the point where Girardi, you know, creates so many endorphins that the Queen's able to take over the body. Right. And that's sort of a, that's again, once again, Alison, uh, Alison Pill's character is, has lost complete control over her herself. Cause I mean, that's what happened in the first season. Like you would think Picard would distance himself from her after this, right? Cause she seems to be susceptible to being, you know, taken over by other people and, and become a puppet for them. Right. Like, yeah. And her, her alien mind control is, is maybe that's her trope. So it's a Picard. It, you know, keeps getting new sleeves, altered carbon style, and she just keeps getting 
you know, zoinked and her brain controlled every every season. Yep, yep. Raffi's always, you know, trying to. Raffi's always. It's funny. She's always trying to do the the most advanced thing, and then when you know this time around they want to do something advanced, and she's totally against it. You know, which is. She was using technology in the last couple of episodes constantly to try and solve her problems. And then when they offer her technology, she's like, no, let's not do that. Yeah. But I guess somebody has to object, right? Rafi is the worst example story. of the kind of person who everything is a bad idea except their idea. Right. Right. <laughs> That's, I definitely know people like that. I was like, yeah, it's like yeah. literally the only reason you're going along with this is because it was your idea. Because in this same exact situation that it wasn't your idea, you were 100% against this. Yeah. Totally, for sure. For sure. Well, let's switch over to, to Moon Knight. Let me just open my notes here. Almost the same show. No, not quite. So, Moon Knight's episode two uh, is called Summon the Suit, and we'll find out why in a minute. Uh, basically, you know, we find our hero wakes up in his bed, and he's chained to the bed, and he ends up, you know, flailing himself off the bed, and, you know, because he's tethered with the, the leg constraint. The leg constraint gets mentioned a few times in, in the show, and I'm not going to mention it again, but, you know, they keep... Every time somebody sees it, they're like, are you living here with somebody? Or are you like into some weird stuff? And he's like, no, 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 I just have trouble sleeping. But um, he goes to the mirror in the bathroom and he looks at the mirror and he, because he, last week's episode, he was talking to uh, the Mark character in the mirror, the, the reflection, just knows him as Mark. Um, so anyway, we see him going to work and when he gets to work, the the place is all, you know, police taped off and there's been some ruckus and the museum's closed and so he says, you know, says to the security guard, have you looked at the at the footage yet? You know, I'm, I'm the security footage. You know, I, I I may have some information about that. And he says, this is going to just melt your brain. And so they sit down and he goes, okay, Scotty, let's see what's on the tape. And because he knows not Scotty, my name is Stephen. But anyway, so they wa- started watching uh, Scotty on the t- or Scotty on the uh, the tape, and he's 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 hiding behind something and crying and and. Uh, you see him running through the museum and all that kind of stuff, but you don't see the jackal chasing him, right? Um, so, the, so it really looks kind of messed up from the point of view of the security guard. And, and it just, you know, so all the way through, um, you know, he's running around, he's knocking over vases and stuff like that. He eventually goes into the bathroom, which is where he, you know, Moon Knight takes over and trashes the place. Um, and then as he's walking out, you see him... Um, glaring at the camera, and clearly it's you know, the security camera, and clearly it's the Mark character who's taken over Stephen's body, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's sitting. You know, the next scene you see him sitting in HR, and the guy's being very supportive and very HR-like, and and basically firing him. Base, and so now he's been fired from the museum, and uh, he he has this golden man that he talks to in the in the, in the nearby park. You know, one of those frozen statue kind of guys. And he's telling him all his troubles, and and finally he you know realizes well maybe I should go check out this this um, some of the things he's he's been he's been left with is one is 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 a, a storage unit uh, key so he decides to you know thanks thanks for helping me out with this idea and runs off to find it and he goes to five different places that have under this particular brand and eventually he he goes to the, the fifth one and he says you know I don't know if you recognize me or you know if there's a storage locker under the name of you know scott scott or stephen last name stephen clark was it it stephen clark is his name i forget Ooh, that's a good anyway under stephen or maybe it's under mark and whatever and the guy looks and says yeah i I recognize you you're number 43 i never forget a face and takes him over to the storage unit and and opens it up and and inside um Stephen finds a a cot with a with a pillow and and a bunch of clothing and some other things some some other stuff on shelves and he finds a go bag sitting there and he goes through the bag and 
course, there's stacks of euros and there's stacks of uh, U.S. dollars and a U.S. passport with the name Mark Spector. So now he knows the last name of the person. And um, and he also finds a scarab, the one that he had in his dream. And he's like, oh, my God, this is real. And, and he, as he picks it up, he takes it apart. It sort of sprouts wings and starts to hover and point in a certain direction, but not north, right? Um, and... In the in the reflection, there's a mirror there, and and the the Mark character is talking to him. He's like, Stephen, listen to me carefully. You know, you weren't supposed to see any of this stuff. And so he starts to explain who uh, who he is. He's basically Koshu's avatar, and and he's representing this this uh, Egyptian god of the moon, which is where the moon knight comes from. And you know, we deliver justice to to those who harm the vulnerable, kind of thing. And and. Uh, Mark or Stephen says, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard." And he's like, "I eat, I eat a steak and I start going bonkers." And and uh, so now here we are again. The 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 reflection dude is saying, "Give me the body. Let me finish this." And and uh, Mark finally just sort of says, "No, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab all this this stuff, this money, and this passport and this gun. I'm going to take it. I'm going to run over to the authorities and have them arrest me and put me on pills. And you'll never be able to take me over again, kind of thing, because uh, you ruined my life already by you know." making me lose my job and all that kind of stuff so anyway so he gets out into the hallway and Conchu shows up and starts chasing him around and give it back you fool Conchu says and, and that's F, F, F Z, Abrams uh, voice. F, F Marie Abraham again? yeah he's the voice of, of Conchu apparently so eventually as he's running through the storage unit he, it crashes through a door and ends up you know falling down on the street and just as a scooter arrives and almost runs him over and she looks down and look at looks down at him and says mark you know and then you know jump on you know jump on my bike i'll get you out of here and as she's driving along she's telling him this is layla the layla character who he'd spoke to on the phone last week and um you know, you've got the suit, and you know, stop with the accent. You're 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 freaking me out. And he finds out that she, she's his wife, and she's not buying the the whole you know uh, Cockney accent. She says like, drop the act. You know, I'm not buying this. And so finally, they go to his flat and to to see what's going on. And and um, you know, as he as he gets enters the flat, the the mark in the reflection says, get her out of here. You know, she's in danger if you if you show her any of this stuff. And so she's wandering around. She looks at the, the shackle on the on the bed. She says, "Are you living here with somebody?" And he's like, "No, I live here by myself." And she sees that she's he's got some French poetry, and she starts reading it, and he starts reciting it back to her in French. And uh, he tells her that this is his favorite poet. And she says, "No, no, you're wrong. It's my favorite poet." Poet. And then she sees some Egyptian hieroglyphs as well, and she can read them. And and um, you know, he's surprised that she can read the the hieroglyphics as well. She's looking. She looks at him. She says, "I'm not buying this, Mark. You know, you know, you wanted the divorce. Here's the divorce papers. Sign the papers. Let's get this over with." And and of course, Stephen says, "I, you know, I, I'm not going to divorce you. I, I, I think, you know, you, I think this Mark guy that you married is a twit. I'm, you know, I think you're, you know, you like this anyway." So as he's, you know, he starts going over to the go bag to show her the, the evidence of what he's found in the locker and. The reflection version of Mark says to him, "You know, you're making a mistake. Don't show her what's in the bag." And you know, as he's rumbling through the bag, and he, and and Stephen is explained to her what he's found, and finally the reflection says to him, "They will kill her if you show her what's in that bag." And so he stops talking and just sort of says, "Oh, there's nothing in the bag. Nothing I wanted to show you." And finally she says, "What's in the bag?" And she pushes him aside and. She actually throws him aside, and then she she looks inside the bag and she finds the scarab, and she's like, "Oh, sure, this is this is the the scarab that takes us to Amit's tomb, and 
you know, we've both spent our lives looking for this and you're going to, you know, just take it off and, and run with it by yourself sort of thing, right? And he keeps trying to explain to her, I'm not Mark Spector, you know? Um, and he says, you're the only person I know that can possibly help me with this. I don't remember. And she's like, you don't really don't remember any of our adventures. And then knock, knock, there's a knock on the door. And of course, you know, it's the police and DC Fitzgerald and DC Kennedy are at the door and they, they want to come in and look around the apartment. And so he lets them in and she hides and, uh, they, they end up, you know, looking at the bed and they're like, you know, they think he's being kinky and he's like, no, no, it's just because I have trouble sleeping and, and, um, or sleepwalking. And they, um, eventually find the bag and they find the, the money and stuff. And so they decide to arrest Stephen and take him, take him down to the, to the station. And, um, they're actually taking him not to the station, but they're taking him over to see, uh, Arthur Harrow, which is, uh, played by Ethan Hawke. That we saw last week. And, um, so they, in they're searching their, the police records before we find out where they're going. They, they talk about these archaeologists that have been found, you know, executed, you know, execution style kind of thing. Um, but as he's watching them uh, in the car, he notices that when he looks at their forearms, they all have those scales that the Harrow character had on his arm last week. So he's like, I'm in trouble. And, and they leave him in the car and he starts talking to reflection and, and, um, and the, the reflection's like, so let, let me take over your body. Let me take over your body. I'm the Borg queen. Let me take over your body. <laughs> yeah. What, and, what a week to have these conversations. They're back to back. Right? Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. So, and he's like, I'm not giving you control ever kind of thing. And then, um, and then, you know, uh, Ethan, Ethan Hawke's character, uh, Harrow shows up and, and pulls him out of the car and has the handcuffs taken off of him. He's being very, you know, nice to him. And he's like, you know, no wonder your scales don't have balance. You got these crazy people in your head and, you know, and of course, you know, maybe they chose you to be the avatar because your mind was already broken and possibly. And, and of course, you know, then, then, uh, uh, Kanchu shows up and starts telling Mark to, to kill him and break his windpipe. And, uh, Ethan Hawke's like, you know, is he saying to kill me, you know? And anyway, so he takes him around the neighborhood and it turns out it was a high crime neighborhood. And now that the, you know, Ethan Hawke and his, or Harrow and his characters are around, people feel safe. And he's like, here, try the lentil soup. It's great. And, you know, Kanchu's always throwing tantrums. It's all he can do. And, you know, he says, I am the real justice, right? And, um, you know, he says, uh, Stephen says, can you hear him? And he says, well, I can't hear him anymore. I was the, I was the vengeance before, the fist of vengeance before you. So, but I can't hear him anymore. Mm-hmm. And he says, the problem with Conchu's sort of justice is it comes too late. It's after the fact, after the harm has been done, you know, so, and that's not good. And Amit, who he wants to to free, judges people, before, like, sort of like Minority Report report, judges them before the, the bad stuff is done. So... And the scarab, which he's looking for, will lead us to her tomb, and that's what we want to. We want to resurrect her, and you know, have her take over. And he's like, I, I don't have the scarab, and and um, you know, and and he hears the in the I don't know the soup bowl or whatever the reflection saying to him, don't say her name, don't say her name, and and um, you know, he says uh, he says Ethan Harold's character says, let me let me talk to him and tell him, and he says, you know, this won't be your last mission. Um, Conchu tells you that every time, and it always seems to be this one more thing, which is another trope of of all these things. And yeah, what the, uh, people always want to get out, always one more thing they have to do before they get out, right? Deal with the devil um, kind of trope that you're, you yeah, you can never yeah. fulfill the, the the contract, never repay the debt, the bargain. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> and and he's like, well, isn't she like punishing an in, innocent person by 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 doing by ju- by prejudging the crime sort of thing and 
And he says, what, what if it's like, you know, and he said, well, if it's a, you have a diseased arm, you cut the arm off to save the rest of the body. He goes, well, a child is not a diseased arm. Mm. You guys are, he says, are you guys all into this? You're all killing innocent people? You're killing a baby before, years before it, it, it produces a crime? Like, like that's crazy. Like, you know, um, you're all baby killers kind of thing, right? Um, anyway, so the, the he, uh, Harrow says to him, you know, you, you know what this cane is? It basically has, contains a sliver of her power. And like, where's the scarab? Where's the scarab? And he's like demanding that he gives him the scarab. And finally, Leia shows up and says, I have it, you know. And then, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke starts pounding on the ground with his with his big stick and uh, with his cane. And the, the bricks all start turning pink and fiery red and whatever. And she's like, summon the suit, summon the suit. And he's like, what suit are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. So finally, they, the two of them run off and Leia and, uh, Layla and uh, um, Steven start running away. And Harrow uh, summons a demon jackal to chase them down and uh, go get, you know, get them and get the scarab from them. And, and finally, they run into a room and, and uh, it's like a mausoleum and sort of like look like maus- um, magic stuff. And... Even says, "Oh, great! I'm going to die in a in a decrypt or a ma- magician's man cave kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, with the weird and artifacts. She, yeah, and she's like, your name is Mark.' And finally, she said, she finally calls him Stephen, like you know, to try and convince him that they need to work together, and he he believes this. So, so the jackal shows up, and he he ends up tussling around with the jackal. He ends up falling out of the window." As he hears the voice of Conchu uh, uh, saying, "Someone the suit, someone the suit," and as he about to hit the ground, all of a sudden he's covered in this white suit uh, with a with a funny mask, and and um, I'm sure Jonathan will will know that there probably is a couple of iterations of this of this uh, Moon Knight uniform sort of thing, and this is sort of an alternate uh, uniform that that he has. I've seen some mm-hmm. um, animated drawings of of him in this suit, and. Um, you know, he sees the reflection. He's the reflection system. Like, what are we wearing? This looks. This is not the ceremonial armor of the Kanju Temple. It's like Psycho Colonel Sanders sort of thing, right? And then he says, "Where's the scarab?" And he goes, "Oh, I don't know." He reaches behind him and he pulls out these two poles. He goes, "Oh, these are cool. What are these poles for?" Right? They're like fighting sticks or something like that, right? Or, or um, I don't know what he calls nunchucks kind of thing, right? Um, again, who did we see that had those kind of sticks recently in some other Disney thing? <laughs> Um, I'm thinking, um, Boba Fett or something like that, right? Um, anyway, so the jackal shows up and, and, uh, he's fighting with a jackal and, and, um, she, she climbs down from the building that they're up in and she can see him fighting the jackal, but she can't see the jackal, right? And so she starts, you know, smashing bottles over, you know, the head of what she thinks is the jackal. And, you know, of course the jackal just tosses her aside kind of thing. And eventually, you know, in, in the, in the ensuing battle or whatever, Mark finally, reaches or mark steven actually reaches and uh, punches the jackal and with and gets this real sort of power because he's wearing the suit he's got this real powerful punch and um he's like aha beat you and knocked you down and and the the, the jackal reattacks him and they end up in the middle of the street and both of them hit, get hit by a car looks like the jackal takes the worst of it but uh but both of them get knocked out and and um Finally, he gets up and he goes over and he stands next to a bus and he sees his re- reflection in the window again. And he says, you know, someone's going to get hurt. Look around. This is like not good. There's innocent people here. And, you know, if you keep doing this, this uh, fighting with this jackal, we're going to we're going to have trouble. And he says, all right, fine. Take over my body and, and, and solve this, settle this. So um, so Moon Knight appears and he's got the Moon Knight, the ceremonial garb. And, and uh, he uh, 
starts r- climbing up the side of a building to draw the jackal away, and, and he runs across the top of the buildings, you know, and, and has the jackal sort of keep up with him, and finally gets to the point where he, he comes to the end of the, the rooftops and just happens to be that there's a sculpture there with a, with a pointy bit at the top, and so he grabs the the jackal and impales the jackal and defeats him by by stabbing him on this this fancy piece of art, right? And then finally, you know, like he he's now he's now uh, there by himself, but now he's Mark, right? And and um, so now the reflection is Stephen. Stephen's like, is this, is is this what this is like? You know, you, you know, and he sort of says, you know, um, you ruin you ruin people's lives. Uh, you know, I don't believe any of you said. And and then, then Kanju appears and and sort of chastises Mark and says, you swore he would not interfere and. You've, you've altered the arrangement by having him, you know, part of the part of the deal now, right? And uh, and he's like, the body doesn't belong to you. The body belongs to me. This is um, country talking, right? Um, and he's like, it's you know, it's too late for the scarab. You know, Harrow has the scarab already, and so on and so forth. And he goes, you're not going to like who my next candidate is. You know, someone who's near and dear to your heart. And you know, he's because he's the country's got his eyes on Layla. He wants Layla to be the next avatar, sort of thing, right? Um, yeah. And then he's like, you know, well, let's go. And he goes, well, where are we going? And he goes, where do you think we're going? And they, so the next thing you see, um, Mark wakes up in, um, in Egypt and he goes to the window and opens up the window and, and you see the great pyramids there in the distance. So this is where how the episode ends and next week's episode is going to take place there in the land of the pharaohs. And that was the end of the show. So very, very similar, um, episode in terms of like you know one one character wanting to take over the the body of the other character kind of thing right so ironically the same thing on both both episodes right yeah a couple couple things we sort of learned here um that uh, ethan hawk's characters i forget his name the the antagonist had harrow harrow thank you had been harrow the um the moon knight i guess before um or at least he had Konshu as as uh yeah, he was the avatar before, yeah. Yeah, so it does have a bit of I'm trying to compare it to other things like um Green Lantern, perhaps. Green Lantern doesn't have like a strict master thing. The the thing that's coming to my mind oh, right. in, in comics is Ghost Rider. And and I know this has changed quite a bit, but there was a period of time where you had the original Ghost Rider from like the seventies or eighties, right? It's like a like a motorcycle demon on wheels kind of thing, right? like a demon that takes over a guy and they, you know, they fight crime. They fight evil, but in kind of like a bad guy sort of way. And then there's a later ghost writer character. That's a younger guy gets in trouble and he becomes a ghost writer who punishes people, right? With his penance stare that he makes you feel all the victims that you've ever had sort of thing. And the original ghost writer guy, uh, Johnny blaze, I think his name was is, uh, you know, he comes back as sort of a, Hey, I got rid of the ghost writer demon. I'm no longer possessed by it. And I see that you're possessed by it. I'm going to kill you and it to it to stop this thing. Right. So it's kind of like a, a, a situation where they think at the time that this ghost writer demon passes from person to person at some point as like this weird avatar sort of thing. So that, that's kind of what came to my mind. I, I did a terrible job of, of describing what was a period of time in like the late 90s for ghost writer. I believe this has changed so that they're or more details come out so that the two Ghost Rider demons are not the same demons. There are many spirits of vengeance. And I actually wonder if, if Khonshu is considered a spirit of vengeance along those same lines. You know, this thing that passes, that can pass from person to person. And uh, well, it's actually almost like, like the Venom symbiote, right? That sort of goes from, from host to host. 
Yeah. The other thing we learned in this episode is uh, that inside of every British man is a American hero waiting to get out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Or inside of every sexy Romulan is a uh, English or American woman trying to get out. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. It was very much like an exposition episode, I think, too, from the point of view. There was a lot of explaining happening in this one, right? Um, but it, yeah, because I mean, even though they, they stop and talk about Conchu and I'm the Avatar and so on and so forth, like what what the role of Moon Knight is. I mean, we've only got six episodes to, to do all this exposition in, right? But I, and what I like about this, I like the style where, you know, uh, like the Layla character shows up and starts, even last week when she's on the phone with him, just rather than explaining know what the relationship is she just says things to him that we put piece together what the relationship is right like like the the authors or writers let us put together the, the backstory right because mm-hmm. um, she does sort of say oh yeah sure the thing that we've been working on all, all these years to try and find you you want to keep it to yourself now kind of thing and because um, obviously the the Mark character is, is much more um, aggressive than than the Stephen character you know in terms of like his agenda and he's know he's trying to to tell her i'm protecting you from from this this knowledge that you don't want to have and that may be true but but i like i like the way they sort of like you know even even with the cops showing up you you think they are legitimate cops for a while and then it turns out that they're just you know agents of harrow right um yeah but i like that i like the style of of storytelling where rather than sit down and explain well you know back in the day you know sort of thing like they they just sort of flash you know they they let the audience put together the story i'm sure there's probably writing style that jonathan can tell us about but he's not here so we have to deal with it but yeah i like the sort of fast moving you know indiana jones temple of doom or indiana jones kind of you know like they matter of factly say this stuff as if as if we all know right kind of thing right yeah yeah you're you're right it is kind of uh like a jason bourne kind of thing mm-hmm. but with indiana jones on top of it where a guy doesn't remember who he is or who he really is uh but in this case he's involved in some indiana jones there's 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 ancient cultures with, with spiritual magical artifacts involved that, that sort of make it nutty yeah well and also the whole the whole idea of like i kept thinking to myself as i was watching the episode today like you know, because this, this Stephen character has gone through his entire life. I mean, he grew up with his mom, and he's got this house, and, you know, he's he's got this, he's he's not been able to keep a steady job because he's, cause he's got these blackout periods that he doesn't know about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the blackout periods are when when um, Mark, take, Mark Spector takes over and becomes Moon Knight, right? So, and there was a discussion about um, the Contra character, which I didn't say here, but he mentioned that you know, when I found you, you were a corpse. So in other words, he reincorporated the Mark Spector guy and then put him inside of um, Stephen's body, right? To sort of let him run around and stuff like that, right? Because so, that would have been weird as, you know, like as someone who just, you know, would black out for like a day. Well, we we saw that happen too. Like when, you know, he has the date with a woman on Sunday and he goes to the restaurant to meet her and it turns out it's Tuesday and he's he's missed three days, right? Yeah, and, and actually the, the thing you're mentioning there does make me maybe that's why i think a lot about ghost rider at least the the 1990s uh dan dan catch or dan ketchum like like ash ketchum from pikachu um Mm. uh, character where i'm pretty sure that that kid comics um was dead or dying and uh, ends up encountering the ghost rider who sort of brings him back to life or restores him 
in in exchange for service for justice where this is kind of the the same thing ostensibly right like like you said like you were you were dead i brought you back to life you owe me now sort of thing yeah i gotta say though i I do get tired of this whole sort of trope of of um, egyptian gods coming back and being resurrected and i know that's part of their lore right but Mm -hmm. or their mythos but you know, like the mummy, the mummy, sh- the mummy, um, I like the, I like the adventure part of the mummy movie, but I didn't really like the part where the, the, the gods show up and start, you know, taking over the world and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, all, th- all four mummy movies, there was the one with the rock and, and the two with, uh, the, I think two or three with Brendan Fraser in it. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I liked the sort of Indiana Jones kind of vibe that they had with Rachel Weiss and, and, uh, him, but, um, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's, it's like mummy or mum, the mummy and, and well, the mummy literally, but you know, mummy movies or zombie movies, it's kind of, you have to suspend disbelief to make, to believe it's true, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. And I think you're right. There is the trope that the popularity of certain mythologies, like the Egyptian mythology, uh, mm-hmm. Greek Roman mythology gets a lot of play, um, might be Thor. <laughs> yeah. Might be kind of interesting to see, you know, uh, lesser known things like, uh, like Incan or Olmec mythology, or um, I don't know what's going on in like Cambodia, Thailand, Vietnam. I bet you they got some interesting stuff too. It just doesn't get a lot of play. Yeah. And might give you a little bit of a different flavor while still feeling sort a of fresher feel. Yeah, yeah fresher feel sure. of like, yeah, okay, we know this dude is Zeus, and that means there's probably a Hermes, and and you know, there's probably a, a Poseidon. Like you, you, you've seen it so many times that it's it it's a little rough. But maybe maybe yeah. future things. Uh, I'm I'm guessing, and not super uh, clued into how Moon Knight works. I'm guessing this is all pretty, um, you know, in line with the the comic book, which which is of an era where Egyptian stuff would have been um, sort of less tropey. Uh, not to say it, it it hasn't been. You know, certainly there's movies for for you know, decades and decades of Hollywood, but I mean, like in modern media, sort of thing. Or, there's even more so, like I said, like the, the Brenda Fraser films, the the um, universal universe that they tried to create with the universal monsters, starting with uh, the Mummy, with um, uh, Tom Cruise and etc. Well, even even Indiana Jones for that matter, because I mean, the first Indiana Jones, he's looking for um, the Lost Ark, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, yeah. And using using the sort of, um, I mean, they're at they're at uh, they're digging through. Um, pyramids and stuff like that to find this stuff but yeah it's you know anyway yeah it's funny how archaeology always ends up back in in uh, egypt but uh i guess that's because it's one of the older places in the world that we know of right for for western sort of culture it sort of fits you know i think you could change things up going with uh eastern or african culture or heck uh what about the 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 native cultures of like new zealand some maori stuff True. Yeah. Yeah. Or the Incas and the Mayans, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's see. I wonder what the Red Queen's going to be up to. It was kind of a um, coming back to Picard. It was kind of a like a soft ending, right? Because we we don't we. It's almost like a to be continued because Picard is still under. Right. And, you know, next week we're going to get the Fantastic Voyage, where you know they shrink the scientists down and inject them with a the hypodermic into the the, the the dying person, right? <laughs> <laughs> you ever see the movie Fantastic Voyage? I I I'm pretty sure I have, but you know what I've actually seen in in that same vein is I want to say it's called Inner Space with Martin Short, where they, yes, they shrink a guy yeah, down, yeah, <laughs> and and they have a bad guy go in there too. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. Right. Sure. I, I love that. It was, um, uh, Irwin Allen, which he did, Irwin Allen did the, um, lost in space stuff. And, uh, so he was big into sort of sci-fi stuff and, you know, I think, um, voyage to the bottom of the sea was one of his shows as well. And a lot of model work and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they had this little, they had this little spaceship and of course they had Raquel Welch. She was the eye candy, right? The original seven of nine, if you want to call her that. And, um, you know, they had Donald Pleasance, you know, the guy from Nightmare on, on no, from, um, Michael Myers, he was the doctor and, and, uh, they had to, there was a, uh, like a CIA agent who was in a coma and they had to go and, you know, save him sort of thing. So they put these, uh, and I think it was a story by Asimov or maybe Arthur C. Clarke, but anyway, but, but, um, so in, in, they have this giant, you know, like six foot hypodermic needle and they, they shrink the ship down to like, you know, like a, a model, like a toy model sort of size. And then they drop it into the needle and it sort of floats down into the water. And then they put this plunger in and then they shrink the hypodermic down with this ray, you know, kind of thing. Right. And then they take the, the hypodermic and they inject it into the sky. And then that's how the, and it's like, you know, they're, they're flowing, they're driving through the bloodstream and there's all these like white corpuscles chasing them and, you know, all the red cells and that kind of stuff. And they end up they go into the lungs and I think they have to, they have to go through the heart and they have to avoid the valves opening and closing. It's, it's really kind of cool. And they end up in the brain where they have to do brain surgery with a, like a laser. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, the, the yeah. body's defense systems are like attacking them sort of thing. Right. It's definitely a, it's such a iconic thing that there's modern media that references it, right? There's a Rick and Morty episode that references it. There's yeah. an Archer episode that references it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that even the the scene with the Minox on um in uh I think was it the second one, Empire Strikes Back, where they mm-hmm. get stuck inside the, the the planet and they're hiding from the and they end up with the Minox and they're walking around and they're like, This is really kind of soft earth and <laughs> why is it so wet? It it's actually, moist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's moist. It ends up being ends up being a, a they end up upsetting the uh the creature and he spits them out, right? Sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So that's all it's all based on this same story. Cool. Right, let's move on to the watch list. So I don't know um, if you um, have heard of Slow Dogs. It's uh, appeared on Apple TV, I guess, two weeks ago, because there was two episodes up this week when I went to look for it. Um, stars a um, Gary Oldman as this grumpy MI5, you know, has-been um, director kind of thing. And uh, we have, you know, the, the young hero and, and the, a team of, of washed-out um mi5 agents right like in the very beginning the the um the main character uh totally screw totally screws up i mean he doesn't screw up this this hostage scene but it turned out it was like a kobayashi maru kind of thing it wasn't real but he ended up uh he ended up actually hurting real people and trying to trying to get through this situation this this test and um because he got the signals wrong like it like it starts off with the, he's supposed to follow a guy with a a white shirt with a blue t-shirt underneath and and he got he ended up chasing a guy with a with a uh a white t-shirt and a blue outfit on on the overtop but he got the wrong wrong suspect kind of thing <laughs> anyway but they end up in this this place and it's slow as an s-l-o-g s-l-o-u-g-h is the is the district that the the centers in and they're away eventually or or um, um regent park is where the main mi5 offices like the one that you see in, in james bond and stuff like that right um 
and these guys are off in like the suburbs and this this you know they're 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 sent there just because they're all screw ups kind of thing right and uh gary oldman's great like but it, you're getting the i'm getting the sense after watching two episodes that he actually was a really really good um good agent and we start to find out in the second episode that um they're they're actually sent assignments to investigate regent park itself and the reason why they're out on the on the outskirts is because they they've got that sort of latitude to be able to be able to go in and inspect on this kind of inspect these you know to do investigations they're sort of like internal revenue but ex, like ex, or in, what do you call it internal um what do, they, what do they call it when the cops are inspecting uh, themselves um, sort of thing? Internal affairs? Internal affairs, yeah. So this is like external affairs, if you want to call it that, right, sort of thing. So there's some sort of subplot going on, and, and Gary Oldman's, like, trying to discourage this young this young guy from exploring it. I kind of get the sense that he's t- discouraging from from doing it so that he will, so that, you know, sort of knowing that the kid will go off and do it, you know, sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Um, Really interesting, really interesting show. So it's, you know, that sort of spy crafty kind of, you know, um, uh, show. So, and yeah, like I said, I think, I think it's only like, uh, six or eight episodes long. It's, it's another British show. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And that's my, my pick for the watch list this week. And what do you got for us? I've got, uh, the dropout. Um, I see it on Hulu here in the States, I believe. It's on, it's on Disney here in Canada. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Disney plus through star, I think. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Good. So you're so you're not left out. Um, this is a uh, a dramatic series based on the Dropout podcast from ABC News that covers uh, oh, Elizabeth really? Holmes okay. and the Theranos whole kerfuffle. Um, it's it's pretty good. So the final episode is uh, today, actually, uh, eight episodes, and um, it is one of those things that. Uh, I followed along with the podcast, which has continued on, actually, um, as uh, the original podcast ended with the, um, I think it was like six episode podcast, the dropout ended with, you know, she's definitely going to go on trial. And then they had subsequent sort of other episodes covering the trial, including the, the, the conviction of, uh, of Elizabeth Holmes. So um, I guess that's semi-spoilers, but it's more even knowing the end it's more about like the journey there like seeing the the smaller you know smaller lies become larger fraud sort of thing is, is done pretty well um it, it is definitely a show that if you're like me you'll you'll watch and be enraged <laughs> how could somebody have gotten away with this sort of stuff um and and maybe that's the test is it a true story it is based i mean it's dramatized right but it is the the based on the true story of like what was dug up from that uh, that investigative podcast around Elizabeth Holmes, uh, Sonny Balwani, and a whole bunch of other players involved with the Theranos um, uh, blood testing company, right? If, if folks don't remember, it was like uh, the idea you would, um, you know, instead of doing a whole bunch of blood draws to to get all of these different blood tests done to do, you know, medical work, you could have just like a little pinprick at like your local Walgreens and they would run, you know, a couple hundred different tests and they got all sorts of money. They had this like sort of superstar sort of uh, investor and board set up and they really didn't meet any of that stuff. And it's safe to say no, because because of the conviction, like it was pretty much all a fraud. And um, it, it is kind of interesting to see how 
if folks don't remember, there was a very strong period of time where Elizabeth Holmes was doing a Steve Jobs-esque sort of look, uh, mm. like a black turtleneck sort of uh, uh, look. Oh, yeah. And, and, and she was on covers of like, this might be the next Steve Jobs, right? And people really wanted this, you know, young, attractive blonde to, to be the next big thing in tech. And she was for a period of time. Hmm. Wow. Yes, you're on, here on Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I recommend it. Um, even if you're not familiar with, uh, you know, the, the dirty backstory, um, I think they do a pretty good job of, of explaining what's going on there. Like you get to see what happens. So these kind of podcasts where they, where they do like, like there was, a, um, there's been a few sort of investigative murder kind of mystery solving mystery sort of things mm-hmm. like on these, have you listened to a lot of those podcasts where they're sort of episodic? You know, I haven't, I haven't, I've been sort of adjacent, like the, the closest I've been is, you know, like, like Tiger King is not a podcast, but yeah, it's that same mold. Um, also not a podcast, but making a murderer fits in that same mold. Um, I am aware so, of so serial. Tiger King is like a is that a series? Tiger King is a series of Netflix shows or just one show? Tiger King is one is story. well, it, it gets complicated because there's multiple seasons and there's like little spinoff stuff. But it is a, mm. a documentary style series on Netflix that essentially plays out like the investigative podcast sort of thing. Is it real? Like again, based on real people? Yeah, you remember Tiger King with Joe Exotic and stuff The from like really early on the pandemic. It was the mega show everybody was watching with the guy with yeah, the tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it though. Yeah, didn't watch it. Oh, you didn't watch it? Okay, so you, you somehow didn't get swept up in the fever. Um, no. If you're not into that, you might but be. I do, I, do remember the, I do remember the fever. I do remember all the buzz about it, right? Yeah. Uh, Making a Murderer uh, was on Netflix. A similar kind of thing where, you know, it, it it is this investigative journalism style of documentary. Uh, is it like the don't mess with cats one too? Or? You know, I never did see that one Tim. You, you did recommend them. I have not got, <laughs> there's so much content. I have not gotten around to that one. Um, mm. But yeah, you yeah. know, cereal, well, I think we gotta go, cereal we gotta... is, is one that people know. I've not listened to that one myself. Yeah, cereal. That's what I'm familiar. thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only murders in the building is kind of based on that whole right. sort of fandom. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're based on the fandom of, of listening to these kind of podcasts. Yeah, I'm just curious about the format of the podcast, right? So, different things you could do. Cool. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, if you want to get in touch with you, where do they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
getting another one that could be like a shadow pick, kind of in line with the drawout is I'm watching, and I think it ends next week or the week after, um, the thing about Pam, which stars Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah, that's on, that's on ABC here, I think, right? Mm. Where is it on, where are you watching it? So, because I use YouTube TV, it literally doesn't matter what channel it's on. Because I just record the content, oh. but I'm, I, I think it might be NBC. I think it's an NBC property, but you know, I'm, I've got banner blindness when it comes to what's the little logo that shows in the lower right hand corner. Um, uh, don't know on, on YouTube. Uh, uh, well, YouTube TV, which is basically uh, this is showing Peacock and NBC, so it's an NBC property. So it, it is yeah. a drama, uh, dramatization of what started as basically like a podcast series mm -hmm. so um you know about this lady who i mean i guess we'll find out but like she is seemingly involved in a lot of crimes and when you when you watch the series right. similar to the the dropout with elizabeth holmes if you're like me you'll be absolutely enraged the entire time like how did this happen how did this person get away with this? how were there so many other people helping along with this um Oh, and yeah. and it's it's a it's a brilliant uh, portrayal by um, uh, Renee Zellweger. My significant other started watching a few uh, I don't know, like YouTube documentaries or you know they were uh, recordings of of yeah. like the real person talking. I'm like, yeah, it looks a lot like this person. Sounds a lot like that person. It's a it's a pretty bang up portrayal. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I gotta go and relax before bedtime for Bonzo, and you probably have to go watch more dropout or whatever <laughs> yeah i've got the dropout to watch i've got the last uh half hour of halo to watch is oh I yeah i didn't get time to to finish that before since i was focused on picard and stuff yeah i saw something funny about um oh um i got an email from or i was on roger's site paying my my phone bill today and they said i saw a note there saying if you had Paramount Channel before, you know, you, you have to change the way you're doing it now. I'm like, what? I didn't even realize we had Paramount Channel on through our Rogers package. You know, apparently you could have you could have bought a package through Rogers, but they've changed the way that works now. So I feel like I get Ooh, yeah. notifications or things I do not care about and then miss out on things like that I should hypothetically be notified about. Like I was tinkering with my YouTube TV stuff today, my my settings. And I realized, hey, mm -hmm. there's like five channels that it, I don't even see, and they're available to me. Yeah. All I have to do is just check this little box to make them available. Um, yeah. I was like, why not? I, I mean, I'm already paying for it. And in this case, I was looking to, to plop down some cash for MLB.TV, the season pass, or uh, watching baseball here. Mm -hmm. Which, cool. while, while digging through, how do I, how do I give you my money? <laughs> Normally, yeah. you, would, you would keep yeah. popping this stuff up in... in and annoying me just like last year and this year when I actually do want to pay for baseball, of course, you're nowhere to be found. Where's your ads? Yeah. 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 I wonder if I could get a bike instead of a treadmill. I've been using a treadmill to walk uh, for my exercise thing, my exercise routine, but this, I'm seeing a bike here that's offered for 200 bucks. It's like, uh, almost looks like, um, like a 10 speed, you know, mm, mm. doing the, uh, do these have, do they have brains in these things? 49 pound wheel, whatever that does for me. Leather pad. No, no, like the thing that the treadmill I have is has Bluetooth in it, right? So it talks to my phone. Mm. Really bad Chinese app, though. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the the weakest link for a lot of the IoT stuff. You'd be like, oh, here's this cool thing. Yep, 
How do you connect? Oh, he uses this garbage app. I'm like, why? Why? This is why we needed all of, and I, I know we talked about this in MDJC. That's why we needed Apple and Amazon and Google to get together and be like, here is the standard. And then we should just be using some nice app through one of those providers. And, and you know, they're calling the APIs, not whatever, you know, the, 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 uh, the cheapest vendor could possibly create yeah. from a, a Xeroxed copy of a fax of a printed out PDF that was passed around sort yeah. of thing. Mm. specs. Yeah. yeah. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.